This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. It truly is through Christ alone, amen? It's not through anything you or I have done, but it is indeed through Jesus Christ alone. Last week we talked about our development as leaders as we've been going through the book of Titus verse by verse. And we talked about our development as leaders through expanding the influence that God has so graciously given us. And every one of us have influence on some level. We all have recognized and learned that we're all leaders at some level. Because leadership at its core and at its root is not position, it's not title, it's not responsibility, it's not income level. It truly is influence. And God has given each one of us the gift of influence at some level, whether you have influence with your spouse, with a friend, with your children, with work co-workers, or perhaps you do own your own company, or you're in some sort of management position, or maybe you have some sort of influential position here at church where you're teaching or where you're leading or you're serving in some capacity where God has given you influence. Because the influence that we gain is truly through the relationships that God puts in our lives. And that's what leadership is, is navigating, stewarding with excellence that influence that God has given us for his kingdom because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 the apostle Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. It's as if God himself were imploring others to come to be reconciled to God through each one of us. That's the representation and the responsibility that you and I have been given as ambassadors of Jesus Christ here in this earth. So we all need to recognize that for the influence of the kingdom of God to grow, we need to grow as leaders individually. Amen? Amen. So we can make a a greater impact on this world for the kingdom of God. We're going to wrap up our series on Titus today by talking about how we as leaders set the tone and set the pace for the ones that God has called us to serve. So if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Titus chapter 3. I want to make mention to you something you may or may not have been uh, aware of, but at the back of the sanctuary here, we do have a couple of bookshelves that have Bibles that perhaps if you forgot your Bible and you would like to grab a Bible, it's the same translation that I preach out of, which is the English Standard Version. So you can grab one of those. If you don't own a Bible, I would invite you to take one of those Bibles and consider it our gift to you and make sure that you read it and study it. It's going to be a great tool for you, so make sure that you're aware we have those available there in the back, and I want to make that available for you to take advantage of week after week. Also, if you have your smartphone, you can follow along through Uversion, which is the Bible app that is the most popular Bible app out there. But another feature you may or may not be aware of is that you can go to the menu and search for an event in your area, and you can actually pull up my notes and follow along. We've been doing that for a number of years, but perhaps there's some of you that weren't aware we were doing that. We do mention it from time to time. So if you have a smartphone or tablet with you, don't feel weird. As long as you're not playing Angry Birds, it's cool. Follow along. And... Um, and, and, uh, and, and make sure that you take advantage of that. You can take notes in there. Um, you can email those to yourself when you're done and save them in a PDF for study later on. It's a really great tool. So we want to take advantage of that. It's a free app you can download and take advantage of. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Setting the Tone. So write that down if you're taking notes. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have as a family to gather here together, to connect with one another relationally, to sing songs to you about how awesome you are and about 
just how much we love you together as a church family. And now as we break open the bread of life, your word, I pray that we'll be hungry for it together. And I pray that it will challenge us, sharpen us, encourage us, inspire us, convict us, whatever your Holy Spirit sees fit to do in our lives. I pray that you would meet each individual where they're at in their lives, regardless of what season they may be in, regardless of what challenges they may be facing. I pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit makes this word relevant to each person in this uh, room today, and I pray that they'll walk away changed and challenged and called, Lord, just to do exactly what it is you have created us to do. We thank you for the weeds being with us this weekend. We thank you for the impact uh, for the kingdom that you're using their family and many others like them who are serving those who are less fortunate and underprivileged in the Mexican uh, community there in Puebla. Thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in them and through them. Pray your blessing in your hand upon them as you watch over them and help them to uh, grow as individuals and as a family. We thank you for this word. Thank you for this day. May God get all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Setting the Tone is the title of my message for those of you who are taking notes. Just to give you a quick recap of what's happening here so we can better contextualize the scripture, the Apostle Paul is finishing now his letter to the young Greek man Titus. Uh, Titus is a young Greek man that Paul most likely led to the Lord, and then he began to disciple him by taking him with him on some of his various trips of church planting and spreading the message of the gospel. But now Paul has left Titus in the area of Crete, which is a small island that's at the southernmost point of Greece, and he's left him there in order that he would oversee the different churches that they planted and the work that God started there, that it would continue, because they just don't want to be a blip on the radar. They want something to be established. They want it to be solid and they want to make sure that it lasts. So he says, I'm going to write this letter to you, Titus, and the things I'm going to tell you are how to structure leadership, how to structure the church, the different qualifications for men and women who will be in positions of authority and leadership. This is what you need to be looking for. This is the type of individual you need to be. These are the types of things you need to teach and instruct. So that's kind of what's been going on in this very short letter from Paul to Titus, and he's wrapping things up, and we're going to kick it off here in chapter 3, and I'm going to read all the way through the chapter because it's only 15 verses, and then let's circle around back to the beginning, and we'll go verse by verse. So that way we have some time to let it marinate a little bit, and we can think on some things, and perhaps God will speak to you through just this reading of his word. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Now remember, this is Paul telling Titus what to teach the people of these churches they planted. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works that we did in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things. He said, I want you to help them to believe in God 
so they may be careful and devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent. They're profitable for all people. Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. They're unprofitable. They're worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and is self-condemned. Verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychius to you, let's call him Ty, okay? Let's just stick with that. When I send Artemis and Ty to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. Let's get the lawyer on his way. So they lack nothing. And then let our people to devote themselves to good work so as not to help cases, um, so as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. All those who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Circle back around to the first verse here. He said, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Oftentimes, we see in our world, in our workplace, in our family, we see things that we want to change. We see things that we want done differently. See things that perhaps we would like to make a difference in, or things perhaps that we feel somewhat powerless to make a difference in, but yet we still want to see those areas change. What Paul is trying to help Titus to see here is he's in this area of Crete, which is very much a paganistic area that worships false gods. It's very um, sexually immoral, very paganistic in all of their different rituals that they have. And here he's saying, listen, I know you want to see these things change, but recognize that leaders become the change that they want to see. People have this idea about leadership. They think that leadership is this. They think that the person who is the leader is up top and everyone else is the servant to the leader. They think down here everyone else is supposed to serve this individual's agenda. You notice this person's up here all by themselves at the very top, at the very apex of their little tower that they've built. And there's probably a trail of a lot of wounded people along the way so they could climb the ladder of success in their own eyes. And from their own vantage point, they look down upon those that they are actually called to serve because they think that they're at the pinnacle. They think they're the man or the woman. They think that they're the best. And so therefore, they think that they are the ones who are supposed to just call the shots for everyone, supposed to tell everyone how to do everything everything and everyone else is just less than in their own eyes. Oftentimes we've experienced that type of leadership or we feel that if we had this position that we could truly change our situation. We feel that if we just had more authority, we feel like if we had a greater audience, we feel like that if they would just listen to me and if I had this position, then they could listen to what it is that I have to say And then things would be different. But Paul says, listen, Titus, you actually need to model, set the pace, and set the tone to become the change in that culture that you want to see. To be that standard bearer in that culture that's very much different from what God would have that would bring glory to God. You need to set that tone and become the change that you want to see. You see, here's the thing. Successful leaders understand this is not the model that we want to go with because this is not the model that shows 
what Christ modeled here on the earth. This is very much a self-driven type model where the leader wants to be the guy at the top or the woman at the top, and they want to look down upon everyone that's around them. There's another model that Jesus showed us that successful leaders understand. Understands that the leader actually starts and gains by serving from the bottom. So the leader understands, I am not at the pinnacle. I am not the Almighty. I am the person that's actually supposed to empower and serve those that I am called to lead and not lead from a top-down model, but rather from the bottom up. So I can actually empower those people. Now, those are not two words often in our mind or in our society that we put together, empower and submit. We don't really see those two words as bedfellows. But actually, the model of Christ shows us that when we are submitting to one another in love and we serve one another, that actually that helps to empower The kingdom of God, it empowers individuals. It's us actually serving them and serving their needs and their gifts, and they're empowered to take the message of the gospel even further than we ever could up here on the pinnacle all by ourselves. Jesus modeled this best, and right before he was taken away and arrested, when he was with his disciples, he took the role of a servant by getting down on his hands and knees, putting on a servant's wardrobe, and washed the feet of his disciples. Could you imagine the I am, the creator, the son of God in the flesh washing your feet? Peter said, no, 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 you, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you can't have any part of me. If you don't understand this, then you don't understand me and you're not capturing my heart. You're not understanding what I'm trying to model for you. And he said, well, then, Lord, don't only wash my feet, wash my head also. Jesus said, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. You've already taken a bath. You're good. I'm trying to show you something and model something for you. So why don't you just be quiet, sit there, let me wash your feet. Could you imagine the humility, not only of Christ, but the humility that the disciples had to take upon themselves to allow Christ to do that? And then when he was finished, he said, what I have done for you, go and do for others also. What I have done for you by humbling myself, not elevating myself, but rather humbling myself to serve you, I want to actually empower you with the message of serving so you can go and serve other people. Become the change that you want to see. Don't start from a position of being the know-it-all, being the person who has all the chips. Start and say, how can I connect? How can I serve? How can I show love? How can I show compassion? Because we gain by serving others and submitting. Now, when we see here that Paul tells Titus to be submissive to authorities and rulers, he's literally talking about the civil and government authorities. He's saying you need to submit as a Christian leader. You need to submit to civil and government authorities. Well, that would be okay if the... Civil and government authorities were all Christians and believers like Titus, right? But they weren't. They weren't Christian leaders. They were very paganistic leaders. They were very evil, wicked leaders who were very much the top-down type leader. You mean I'm called to serve them? Absolutely. You submit to the different laws of the land that they have established. You submit to the things that they have established and you show them respect. Now, let me clarify this, because I don't want you to be confused. If 
people who have been delegated authority in a government situation or in a civil uh, situation, if they begin to step outside of that umbrella of authority that they've been given by abusing that authority and wanting or forcing you to do something that's outside of the law of God, you don't submit to someone who's trying to get you to do something that's outside of the law of God. For instance, if all of a sudden our United States government deemed it lawful that you must on the 31st day of December, break into your neighbor's house, find an item, steal it for your very own, that's your item. If that became law, I don't think we should follow that law. Number one, because that's stupid. I can't even believe I came up with that illustration. <laughs> Second of all, you think with the time that I have, I could come up with something better. But, you, but second of all, that violates the law of God. I'm not going to follow that law because it violates the law of God. But at the same time, Jesus himself, when he was asked about paying taxes, the, Jesus said, well, whose head's on that coin? Well, Caesar's head's on that coin. Okay, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He said, but give to God what is God's. He established the different hierarchies of authority. Yes, Caesar has a certain level of authority, but make sure you give God what is God's as well because he's the ultimate authority, amen? So that means that We as Christians, with the influence that God has given us, can actually serve people best by setting the tone and setting the example, even if it's things that the government wants us to do that we don't necessarily like, like paying taxes or lowering the speed limits. We don't like those things, but the government has put those things in there, and they didn't ask your opinion. They didn't say, is this okay with you? Do you like going 25 instead of 45 through this previously 45 area? Now we've lowered the speed limit. Do you like it? Is it okay? We don't want to hurt your feelings. We were never polled on that. Nobody cared. They said, we think this is the best thing to do. Therefore, my role as a Christian leader is to submit to those civil authorities because I don't want to tarnish the name of God. Oh, snap. Because here's what we don't think about sometimes as Christians. We forget that people are watching. We forget that we have influence. We forget that one of the ways we can serve is actually by submitting. And it actually will empower other people to see something different, see something modeled that can actually bring about a real change. Not by getting some position up here, but by actually serving. By actually doing things well with excellence and serving in a way where we're submitting to genuine, true authority even if it's things we don't like even if it's things that you know we don't really want to do because no one gets excited around april 15th but at the same time we recognize there are things that when we do them and we do them well we bring honor and glory to god because we're submitting to authority when we don't do them the world's not impressed they don't care because guess what those who don't know christ They don't want to follow the law anyway because they're rebellious by nature because they haven't submitted to Christ. So why would they submit to civil authority? So if those who don't submit to civil authority are Christians, then they're actually tarnishing that thing that they would carry, that banner of Christianity that they would carry to try to say, I'm a believer, instead of serving by setting an example and thinking less of ourselves and thinking more of others thinking how my actions impact and influence other people and actually leading from a position of becoming the change that we want to see. And Paul goes on to instruct Titus in more areas than just submitting to civil authority. The next thing he says in verse 2 is he says, speak evil of no one. That could be a sermon right there. 
Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy to all people. He said, speak evil of no one. No one. We get this idea sometimes when we sit on the top of this mountain. We get this idea that if someone is evil and they're a wicked individual and they're immoral and they're corrupt, that that gives us a right to speak evil about them because they're evil. But Paul told Titus, teach your church to make sure that they're holding a higher standard, setting a higher tone by not speaking evil of anyone. Here's what happens oftentimes. We live in this circle. If we spend too much time in this circle... It'll corrupt us because the more we feed it, the more it'll grow. And the name of this circle is called concern. These are the things in life that I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the the, the things that are happening in our world. I'm concerned about things that are happening in other people's lives. And we want to talk about it. We want to gossip and we want to spread negativity. And this negativity is all based on on the things that I'm concerned about, but I am truly powerless to do anything about. But I spend so much time in there, the circle grows and it eats me up from the inside. It's the things I'm concerned about. It's the things that make me angry. Oh, I got so angry when I saw on the news the other day that this happened. I got so angry the other day and so frustrated that this individual won't make this change in their life. And I sit and I run my mouth about them and I'll talk about them and drag them down when they're not there. In Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the strongest statements I believe that's in that entire book is when he says, be loyal to those who are absent. Be loyal to those who are absent. Because you'll always be loyal to those who are present in most situations. That's easy. Oh, hey, how you doing? Praise God. Blessed to see you. Amen. Hallelujah. See you next week. Oh, did you see what he was wearing? Oh, my gosh. What in the world is he thinking? And they're not even out of the room five minutes and people are dragging them down with negativity. You can do nothing about that. But it will poison you and it will poison other people because the larger this circle gets, the more that people will begin to be a part of that because of their own negativity in their lives. And this is a top-down leader. That's how a top-down leader acts. Top-down leaders looking down on everyone, spending their time in concern. There's another circle that servant leaders need to spend their time in, leaders like you and I that we're growing to be and that God is calling us to be. It's a lot smaller circle. It's not as big, but it can grow and get larger if we'll feed into it. The problem is is that so many people don't want to feed into this circle because they would rather spend their time getting caught in the trap of concern, but this circle over here, it it may be smaller, but it can be larger. This is the circle of influence. We don't spend very much time in that circle. This is the circle of things we can actually do something about. This is what we actually have the ability to do something about. So instead of me spending my time gossiping and dragging people down and speaking negatively of them, what if I spent that same time, effort, and energy praying for them? Do we believe that prayer works? Really? Do we believe that? We say that, and and, and I do believe that we truly believe that, but if at our core we really, really believed that, we would spend a lot less time running people down and more time lifting them up. 
in prayer, especially those who we consider evil, especially those whom we disagree with. And I'm going to get up in all of our businesses right now. Social media is one of the most evil traps that you can get caught up in if you allow it to be. It is a tool that passive-aggressive individuals will use to say things through text to people they will never meet that they would never say to their face. But yet, we are leaders who have influence, who want to see things change. Well, instead of spending all of our time on social media dragging other people down, what if we spent that time doing something about the things that we were upset about? What if we spent that time praying? What, what would change if we spent that time doing that? Think about all of the negativity that's been spewed on Facebook this election cycle. Oh my goodness. You might not like Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. You might not like Ted Cruz or Bernie Sanders or John Kasich. I don't know. That's between you and your spouse and God. I don't know who you like. But it's not our job to go out and trash other people and tear them down, even if we disagree with them, even if we don't like them, even if they're doing things that are wicked, evil, and wrong. That is not your concern. Your concern is their soul. Oh, snap. Their concern is your soul. Um, your, your concern is, is their eternity because the, the leader who leads from down here who decides to serve instead of just get wrapped up in here feeling like they're better than everyone, this leader recognizes that this needs to expand because this impacts eternity. This style of leader, this only gives me the big head. And in case you can't see, I ran out of margin, so that's the biggest head I could do. I drew a stick figure with a larger circle for a head, in case you can't see it. It gives us the big head because we think we're right. We think we're the ones with all the answers. And what do we do from our pinnacle? We look down upon everyone. And we're concerned and we want to talk about it, but we don't really want to see anything change. If we want to see something change, we would begin to serve, impact eternity through using our influence and leveraging our influence for the kingdom of God. Using those hours scrolling through and trolling through Facebook feeds to repost a negative video with some spooky music about how some candidate did something evil. Instead of doing that, spending that same 30 minutes or hour that you spent trolling through Facebook on your knees for that person. Which one would affect eternity more? Which one would give you the big head and make you feel right and smart? One serving, one isn't. I'm talking leadership, I'm talking influence. I'm talking becoming the change that you want to see. That's what Paul is trying to get Titus to see. He's saying, hey, listen, tell people they need to submit to authority. Isn't it interesting that as Paul writes to Titus to submit to authority, that he immediately talks about not trashing people. I think that he's making a connection there. Not trashing those who are in positions of authority. He said, but rather don't quarrel, avoid quarreling, both with unbelievers and believers, be gentle with people, is what he said. Have perfect courtesy to all people, because when you do this, you're serving them. And when you serve them, guess what? You're influencing them because you're showing them a different way. You're setting a different tone. You're setting a different standard. You're becoming the change that you want to see. Amen? Amen. 
leaders understand that we serve best by serving first. I go to these pastor things where there will be a group of pastors from different churches and, and inevitably everyone feels awkward. I mean, those are just awkward situations because we constantly get put in these situations that we're used to being the guy who does certain things all the time, but now you've got a whole group of people who are used to doing certain things all the time. And then someone says, well, let's open up with a word of prayer. Who's going to pray? All the pastors are looking at each other and they bow their heads and they're going, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be me. Maybe not. Maybe should I say anything? I don't know. Should I say anything? I don't want, the, I don't want to be that guy. You know, and uh, I, I overthink it and this silence in the room and then inevitably someone pipes up and they start going, dear heaven. And just at the same time, another guy goes, dear God. Bet, oh, no, you get it. No, you got it. I got it, bro. No, you get it. Okay. Yeah, we got, are we good? Me? You? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, you're going to do it. Okay. That's how that goes a lot of times when you're with a bunch of pastors because it's this little awkward moment. I think that no one likes to be the first to do anything. They don't want to be the first to raise their hand, to sit up front, the first to step out when they see that there's a need. But yet leaders serve best by serving first. That means I recognize that there's a need and I step out and I just go, okay, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to get involved. I serve best by serving first. I want to make sure that I'm leading the way, that I'm setting the tone, that when it comes to shutting down the things that want to trap me in concern, that I lead the way, I don't wait for somebody else to do it. If it's the awkward, uncomfortable conversation, I'll be the one to step out and have it because that's what leaders do. That's serving by serving first. I'm not going to participate in that conversation. I'm not going to like your Facebook post. You're not going to see me post that stuff on Facebook. Lead, step out first, serve someone first. You see a need, you see someone in distress, you see someone hurting, you see someone that looks like they're going through a tough time. Be the first one to step out, do something. We serve best when we serve first, when we lead the way, amen? This is what Paul continues to say, verse 3. We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. We were led astray and slaves to our passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I love this scripture because Paul is turning this thing right back around to help Titus when he's going to have to deal with people who think that they're at the top. He's dealing, he's instructing Titus on how to deal with these people who think they've got it all figured out because they've been going to church since it started. They've been going to church and they always bring their Bible or their scroll or whatever they bring. That they always park their camel in the back to leave room for the visitors to park their camels closer to the front. That these people, they, they feel that they've got the sense of accomplishment. They pray X amount of hours a day. They, they know so many scriptures. They do so many works to the poor. They give away so much money. And there's all these things that they do that they feel so accomplished in. And Paul knew Titus was going to have to deal with these kinds of people who felt like they were better than others because of their accomplishments. And he said, this is how you do it. Verse 3, he said, remember, we ourselves were once foolish. That word foolish in the Greek literally is translated as meaning inappropriate thinking or reasoning. So Paul is trying to increase the level of compassion for those that Titus is going to be leading by saying, don't be so judgmental and condemning from this point of view by those that you're called to serve. Because remember, it wasn't that long ago, buddy, you had inappropriate thinking. Before Christ came into your life, you were chained to the lusts of your flesh. 
vile passions and you filled yourself with pleasures. Remember when you were that way. Remember when you hated everybody and everybody hated you. You isolated yourself. Remember when you were in this position, but because of Christ, he's changed everything and he's, he's made everything new. And so because of that, you need to remind them it wasn't that long ago before Christ came into your life that you were that person that you're judging now. That you were that person that you're feeling like you're better than now. That you were that person. If it weren't for the love and compassion of Christ entering into your life, if it wasn't for the mercy of God, you would still be that person. So get off your high horse thinking that you're supposed to be up here looking down on everyone, spending all of your time over here and talking bad about everyone, trashing them. Remind them, Titus, remind them that you too were once foolish in your thinking. You too once had inappropriate ways of thinking that were not right. You, you weren't reasoning right. You didn't have any sense. Remember, you too were once chained to those same passions that, that, that you're judging people for being chained to. Remember that you are a recipient of the grace of God. And that grace is something you never earn because that's what he says in verse 4. But... When the goodness and loving kindness of our God and our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works that we did in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us so richly through Jesus Christ, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So he's saying, you only have eternal life because the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit moved on you with mercy and you responded to that moving of mercy. So that's where the credit goes. You're not saved because of you. It's not, I'm doing all of these wonderful things because of what God, uh, but, but because of how great I am, but rather because of how great God is. It's not because of us, but rather in spite of us. Amen. It's all God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He names it right there. The perfect work of the Trinity in the, in, in, in the reconciliation of mankind back to God. He said, so don't get caught up thinking that somehow you climbed this ladder up here. But remember, serve those. Because if it weren't for Christ, you would still be in the same boat. But because of Christ, you've been rescued. And so have compassion on those who think irrationally. Those whom you would want to spend your time judging and criticizing. Instead of doing that, why not spend your time serving them? Why not spend your time investing in relationship with them? Why not spend your time by humbling yourself to care for them? And do it first. Lead the way. Set the tone. Titus 3 and 8, I love this verse because he says, this saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things. I love the way the English Standard says that. I want you to insist on it. He's, he's recalling all of the things that we just got through reading. He's saying the things that you just got through reading in my letter, insist on these things. Don't just teach them and don't just preach them, but insist. This is the way it's going to be. This is the way that Christian leaders are to live. This is the way that the church is to operate and function. Insist on it, he says, so that, you, so that you who have believed in God may be careful to devote yourselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for all people. He said, if you do these things, if you live this way, it's not just profitable for those who claim Christ, but it's profitable for everybody. Everybody's going to benefit 
from you serving. Everybody's going to benefit from you setting the tone and leading the way. Everyone is going to benefit, and then your influence is going to begin to expand and increase as more people begin to be benefited from the decision that you have made to allow the gospel and the grace of God to work a great work in your heart, to let compassion overflow, to let serving overflow, to let good works overflow. Not in order to lead you to salvation, but rather in response to salvation. Rather in response to God's goodness that you would serve and you're going to impact eternity. When we serve others like Jesus served, it profits everyone and it gives glory to God. Those who don't serve, they think they're better than everyone else. Their pride clouds their compassion. Their pride clouds their compassion. They, they think they're compassionate, but they're not really compassionate because their compassion is somewhat limited or it's somewhat contextualized in their own view, and they think that their view is better than everyone else's view on compassion. And they're up here again, and they miss this. That's why we in America probably struggle with that more than any other country because we feel that because of the privilege that we have been given, that it's our duty to try to make everyone else as privileged as we are, and we think that we're better than other people. Let me tell you something. Dave and Alyssa and Kaylee and Sierra, when they moved to Puebla, Mexico, they didn't move there because they thought they were better than those kids. They don't dedicate and devote their lives to people they think they're better than. All they see is people who have been wounded that they feel called to, that they want to serve. And same thing with you and me. We need to get out of this mindset of this class warfare, of this I trying to out-spiritual you or outdo you or outperform you or I'm so much better than you because then we just put ourselves back up on this pyramid. We put ourselves back up on this pedestal. And we need to say, you know what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm one of all of them. Amen? It doesn't matter what country I was born in. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter how nice I dress, how nice I smell, how eloquent I can speak. It doesn't matter. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I struggled with this as a young man because I grew up in the church. And I would hear stories about people who God rescued out of a life of addiction and a life of, of, of sexual abuse or a life of all of these bad decisions, bad decision after bad decision. And then they saw the light. They came to Christ. It was an amazing experience. I don't have that story. My story is I grew up in church and I did some things I'm not proud of, but nothing that really set me too far off of a course to have a successful life. And I had a hard time seeing my need for Christ, because I thought I did pretty good on my own. I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought because of my accomplishments that I was special. I thought because of the achievements that I had in life. I, I was a youth pastor at 18 years old. I thought that was special, and people needed to recognize I'm special. And I began to look down upon those who weren't as special as me or who did things that I didn't do. I would help them and love them and serve them with my own version of love and service, but I didn't see myself needing Christ the same way they needed Jesus. I mean, they really, really needed Jesus. I just needed Jesus. But that's not the boat that, as we look at Scripture and we look at the Old Testament law, it puts us all in the same boat. 
The Bible says to break one part of the law is to break the whole thing. We've all broken the law. We've all messed up. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, without Christ, we're all in the same boat, regardless of the personal ethical decisions and moral decisions we've made in life. The most important decision is not an ethical one, not a moral one, although those will save you a lot of heartache in life. The most important decision is faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Amen, somebody? That's the most important decision of all. It's not, did I come from a rough upbringing? It's not, did I make good decisions because... I didn't come from a rough upbringing. I didn't make a whole lot of terrible decisions, but I still need Christ just as much as those who have, and it doesn't make me any better. Just because I grew up in a Christian home and grew up in a church doesn't make me any better than someone that didn't, that maybe this is the first time you've ever come to church. I'm not better than you. Amen? That's the message of the gospel that puts us all on the same playing field. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we all need the same answer, and it's Jesus. And then out of our relationship with Jesus comes good things that bring him glory. Not because of me, but in spite of me. And his love and his mercy and his forgiveness washes over me, and he restores me and makes me new. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, and now I see. And now the goodness of God is at work in my heart, producing good works that don't bring me glory, but rather I serve and it brings Him glory. Is this making sense to anybody today? You see, leaders recognize it's their responsibility to set the tone. Leaders say, that's my job. That's my responsibility. I'm going to set the tone. At work, it's your responsibility to set the tone. At home, mom and dad, it's your responsibility to set the tone. Kids at school, It's your responsibility to set the tone. Do it first. Be that person of integrity and character. Take that responsibility upon yourself. I am going to spend my time in influence and not in concern. I'm going to spend my time doing the things that I know that God has created me to do. Had a conversation with my son on the way to school the other day. He said, Dad, how come that my sisters have friends that lie to them? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well... There's kids at school that will tell my sisters, if you'll do this thing for me, then tomorrow at school, I'll bring you something in return if you give me your pencil or your toy or your cool eraser that mom and dad bought for you. I got this really extra cool one at home, and I'll bring it to you to school tomorrow. And they never follow through. Those kids never bring the gift they promised to my kids. And my son was getting upset that my girls would still play with these kids. And I told him, I said, well, Josiah... I said, you can be friends with people who don't have Christ in their life or who are living different than the way you live as long as it doesn't affect the way you act and the way you live. I said, you are the one who lives differently because we have Jesus in our home and you have given your life to Jesus. And so because of that, He's affected the way that we act. And as long as those other kids aren't changing you, then you can be friends with them because you can influence those kids with the way you treat them. So instead of isolating yourself from them because perhaps they don't live according to the way that I would like my kids to live, I would rather my kids be that influence that could impact another kid's life. Now, if I see them starting to be influenced by those kids and I see some of those same behaviors then we need to not be friends because I need to do some growing on my own. But if I can be friends with those people and they're not impacting me, then I need to influence them for the kingdom of God.
but you've got to realize it's your responsibility to rise above it without becoming judgmental. That you can still be true to your values and the way of thinking that God would have you to think and not compromise who you are and serve others who are not like you. Amen? There are people who don't value the things that we as Christians value that you live next door to, that you shop with, that you work with. You have an opportunity to influence them for the kingdom of God. You could isolate yourself and say, wouldn't it be great if we all just had a great Christian environment, Christian workplace? Sure, <laughs> that'd be great. But even if you do have a place as a Christian workplace, you've got people that got issues. I could either take this position or I could take this position. I know who I am in Christ, and I'm not going to let who they are impact me and let their, their negativity impact me. I have to make sure I'm investing my relationship with Christ to stay strong, but I want to influence them for the kingdom of God. So how can I serve them? What's something I could do to serve them without compromise? Hmm. And do it first. You know, don't feed, don't feed negativity or your own personal tendencies to be drawn into conversation that stirs up negativity and anger in your heart. That's why Titus was uh, instructed to do this in verse 9. He says, but void foolish controversy, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law. He's talking about arguing with other people who are believers. He said, as for a person who stirs up division, warn him once, warn him twice, and then after that, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, they're self-condemning. They're going to condemn themselves. They're warped and they're sinful. So if this person is stirring up division, causing problems, the Bible says you need to talk to him about it. Do it in love. Don't do it from here. Do it from here. Do it from a position in love. Anytime you correct or, or, or speak truth, always speak truth in love. Amen? Amen? He said you need to call him out on it. You need to say, hey, this is negative. This is not okay. We're not going to talk about this. And if they keep on, tell them again. If they keep on, Scripture says, sorry, I, I, I'm going to have to remove myself from this conversation. I'm not going to be able to hang out with you. If we're gonna, that's all we're going to talk about. You have to step out first. Be that leader. Set the tone. Amen? That's why I had to stop. And I'm not, if, if, if you listen to this, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not condemning you. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm telling you, Pastor Derek, okay? This is what I dealt with. Years ago in 2008, when we were electing president, I was addicted to talk radio. I loved it. I listened to it all the time. But it just made me mad. It made me really mad. I had to stop listening to it because it was making me an angry person. It was making me depressed. I was staying here. I was living here in this area of concern and negativity. And I was feeding that monster because I couldn't differentiate. It didn't lead me to pray. It just led me to talk bad about other people. Because it just aroused anger in me. It wasn't healthy for me. And so I had to shut it down. I had to stop. I had to say, I'm not going to be drug into controversies and quarrels and, and dissension. I, I can't do that. What would be better, me spending all that time in that area? Or would it be better for me to spend my time in positive conversations with others, lifting them up and encouraging them, or spending time in prayer for them, or thinking about different ways to serve them? Which, was, which is going to make a better impact for eternity? Me spending three hours listening to the radio so I could get angry with some of my friends that like to get angry? It's not healthy. If I can differentiate it, I mean, I'm not saying don't listen to it if that's something you enjoy, but I can't. Personally, me. 
I'm not trying to dictate for you what you should or shouldn't do. I'm just saying, me personally, I, I can't because of that reason, because it just makes me angry, and I feel powerless and helpless and hopeless, and it makes me not like certain people, and it puts me up here in my own mind. That's me. That's how it impacts me. So therefore, I have to abstain from stuff like that. So make sure you're not feeding things that arouse anger in you, okay? Don't feed those things that arouse anger in you. Don't feed those things that arouse this mentality that would lead you to think you're better than other people. Hello, somebody. Let's read the last few verses here in Titus before we go this morning. When I send Artemis or Tychius to you, Ty, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter here. It must be Arizona, because <laughs> that's what happens in Wisconsin. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. You remember Apollos, he was a great speaker, not the boxer. See that they, you guys are slow this morning. <laughs> See that they lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. He said, teach them so they'll learn to devote themselves to good works, to compassion, to serving. So as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. I want these churches to be fruitful because we plan to these things. We poured our guts into these things. We put our heart and soul into this ministry. Let's make sure that the way that it's established and the things that are being taught are fruitful and that we're investing by serving, that we're doing good works, that these things are coming out of who we are and what Christ has done in our lives and that our influence is impacting eternity. Let's make sure we focus on those things because that's what's going to matter in the end. And then he wraps it up by saying, all who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who... Love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. I actually looked up that word, you all. In the Greek, true. This is true. I don't speak a lie. I speak the truth. The phrase, you all, in the Greek, is, that's an incorrect translation. Because the word used for you all is only one word in the Greek. It's not two. The English translators decided to take the Greek word for you all or, and, and, and make it two words instead of one. So really what I think that the Apostle Paul was saying, <laughs> to, the, to Titus, was grace be with y'all. <laughs> That's a proper translation. Here at Word of Grace, we value the proper translation and contextualization and exegesis of Scripture. Paul was telling Titus, listen, leaders are called to be people of character who raise the standard. Leaders are people who serve others, who set the tone by taking responsibility to establish a higher standard for themselves and for those that they have influence with. Leaders don't get caught up in negativity or the need to be right. Leaders want to be people of peace, unity, and love who lead other people to Jesus. Leaders take their role seriously and value both who they are in front of people and when they're alone behind closed doors. Leaders serve other people, and they don't seek popularity for themselves, but rather they're champions for empowering other people and doing what is right. Leadership is influence. You are a leader at some level. How are you leading? And what kind of tone for others are you setting? Thank you for listening. 
For more information, please visit wogcc.com.